Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Well, we've been we've been talking a lot about God's version of the church. And the, the word church in the Greek is ekklesia, and, and the, the Lord's vision and heart for the church is like way beyond what we typically would understand. It's way greater. It's way more important. It's way more amazing. Um, but there's just a lot of work that God's doing in trying to restore it. He's trying to restore our perspectives of the church and our attitudes of the church and the way that the church functions and flows and he's trying to restore it into the beautiful bride that he's going to return to. Amen. Amen. And so we're just going to keep we're we're continuing to go into this because um I, I just know that God's healing. He's healing church, healing ecclesia. And and so one of the verses that I've talked to you guys about a lot in the last few months is Matthew 16:18 and I'm going to read it this was when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, who do people think I am? And they're like, oh, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're another prophet, uh, some even say you're John the Baptist. And, but Jesus is like, who do you say I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, man, he's like, dude, <laughs> he's like, there, there's no way you could have really known that except the Father in heaven would have revealed to you in your spirit like showing you who I really am because people knew him as a, as a great man, a great teacher, a great prophet, a miracle worker, but, but the, the Lord actually opened Peter's eyes to be able to see to him in the spirit and see that he's the eternal living God that's in their midst. And that's amazing, and Jesus was so blessed by that. And that was when Jesus responded to him in verse 18. He said, and I say also to you that you are Peter, because they, they were calling him Simon, but he's He's given him a new name now, right? Simon. You're, we're now we're going to call you Peter, which means pe- it's Petros, which means small rock or a part of a larger rock. And he says, and on this rock, Petra, which is not Petros, it's Petra, which is the huge rock, which is the foundational massive rock, okay? He says, on this revelation, on this rock of you, this revelation of you knowing who I truly am, I, am, I will build my church I will build my church, my ecclesia. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Everybody say, I will build my church. So who is it who builds the church? Jesus. And whose church is it? It's Jesus's. I will build my church. Amen? So that, that word church is ecclesia. And how many of you guys think if Jesus builds something, he probably thinks it's pretty important? How many, th- how many of you think that if Jesus builds something, he probably thinks it's beautiful and amazing and excellent in, in, in all its ways? Amen. And so he says, he says, I will build my church. And so that doesn't mean that the church that we look at today, that everything's perfect in it. But what it means is God has an identity underneath the imperfections that he wants us to discover so we can see who he truly believes that his church really is. 
okay? And so he says, I will build my church. And, and so we, we've been talking a lot about that word church, ecclesia, but uh, lately we've been focusing on that word, I will build my church. And the word build in the Greek is oikodomeo. Everybody say that if you can, oikodomeo. Okay, oikodomeo means to build, it means to strengthen, it means to build up. So if you can imagine a carpenter or a construction worker building a, a house, right? I will build this thing up. We know that Jesus actually was a carpenter, so that's kind of funny. But he's like, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to build tables and chairs for my mom like they did in the Passion, right? That was awesome. I'm going to build my church. Okay, oikodomeo, it means to build, to strengthen, to build up. And the word oikodomeo in the Greek has two root words in it. And, and the, the words, there's oikos and doma. All right, oikos and doma. And the word doma means roof. So it means roof. So it's the, it's the literal, physical covering of a building. So it's like I'm going to build my church. I'm going to create a covering. And, and so that word oikos so it's oikodomeo, doma is covering a roof, and oikos, is, it means house, it means household, it means family. So when you read in the New Testament, people, it talks about them going from house to house, it's going from oikos to oikos. It's not just going into the structure, but it's actually going into the household. It's not just going into household, it's going into the, the family, all right? It's the family community within a home. You guys follow me? All right, so the word oikodomeo, I will build my church. The, or, the word oikodomeo really has the word family, and it has roof in it, but it means to build. So it's actually talking about creating a, a home structure for a family to live in it. Come on. He, he didn't say I'm going to... It didn't say on this revelation, I'm going to build a, a religious structure that people will attend church in every single week. No, I'm going, to, I'm going to actually create a family and build a home structure around it with a covering on it. A shelter that will protect it and it'll, it'll give it a home to exist within. And guess what? I'm going to call this thing my church. So, so basically, he's saying, I'm going to build a, a home structure that I have a covering on it to create a, a shelter for my household, and this household will be my family, which I call my church. You guys follow me? Like to God, the church is his family. His kids, and, and we're brothers and sisters, and it's the church, and it's the, it's the organism of family that he's looking at. It's the, it's the heart connection, the united hearts and minds coming together, centered around Jesus Christ and the presence of the Lord, and everything that's in his heart to build in his kingdom, that's his family coming together in loyalty and commitment to one another and to the Lord. Family, his church, his oikos, his ecclesia. Hallelujah. Hope you guys are going to walk this out with me. Okay. Got about four committed people to do this with me. That's, I guess, a good start. I guess. All right? Jesus said three to five, or three, when three or four come together in your midst or whatever. I'll take it, Lord. All right? So, but the other verse that we've been focusing on re lately is 1 Timothy 3.15 
And this is, in the, this is in the book where Paul was raising up a spiritual son and training them how to raise up leaders in the local church and to build churches in the region, right? And so, and he says, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. He literally says that the house of God is the church. And the word house is, is not the church building, it's oikos. So it's the family, the household of God. It's the Greek word, it's the real definition of this. The family of God is the church, is what it literally says right there. And he's in the context of local church. That's what it's talking about. You guys tracking with me on this? I've been saying this stuff for a few weeks. I don't know who's with me or not, but you're just going to hear me keep doing it because I'm trying to knead the yeast into the dough, all right? I'm kneading dough right now, and we're trying to see if the, if the leaven of the kingdom of God will spread throughout the whole lump. That's why you hear me keep repeating stuff. One of the best ways to learn is actually hearing things over and over again until it gets in you. I'm not just trying to just think, well, I liked that sermon. I'm going to preach it all over again. We're trying to knead the dough, okay? So we're going after this thing, and that's why Wednesday night we're having an oikos night because I want to keep kneading the dough, amen? So, but he says, he says we need to learn how to conduct ourselves in the house of God, how, to, how do we conduct ourselves amongst God's family? That's what he's talking about. How do we conduct ourselves in the church, which is family? So it's not just about how to do the religious actions of church attendance and church services, church meetings, church ministries, whatever that stuff is. All that stuff's important, but it's, it's actually important at a lower level than what really is the core of this thing. It's getting into the spirit of family. And how do I live this family thing out amongst one another in the church? That's what he's talking about. Hallelujah. So if you combine what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, on this rock I will build my church, I will oikodomeo, I'm going to build a structure for a family to live in and reside in, which is my church, all right? You got to think about that, that he's literally saying in 1 Timothy 3 that the house of God or the oikos, the family of God, is the church, okay? And that we need to learn how to conduct ourselves in it. We got to learn how to live this thing out amongst one another. How do I actually get engaged with one another as family the way that God needs us to so we can be in the household together. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying this message into you, I guess. Okay? So, so you, you, when you combine those concepts together, Matthew 16 and 1 Timothy 3, we've got to just see this. On this solid rock foundation of the revealing of the true Jesus Christ, I will build up my family, and I will build a shelter over it so that it can be a house. It can house my family and will be a household, which is my church. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over and over and over and over. You guys are like, 
Come on, get onto a new topic. No. All right, so everybody say it again. Oikodomeo. It's the building of a house. It could be a shelter for a family. Oikodomeo. Jesus said it. I will oikodomeo. Upon this revelation, I will oikodomeo my ecclesia. Come on. So, we know that Jesus is the only one who can truly build his church, right? We also know that most of the works that Jesus can do on this earth, he does in partnership with his body. Okay? So, so he, he partners with his church because we're the human contact point of heaven to earth. You guys, literally, if you've been born again, you are the, a, a portal of heaven to earth. You're a spirit, soul, and body, and so you, your spirit brings heaven through the body into this earth. And so the Lord, Jesus has actually called us the body of Christ. Okay, Everybody say this, I am the body of Christ. If you think about what a body is, it's the tangible earth realm piece of something, right? We are spirit, soul, and body, and so Jesus says, you are the body of Christ. Okay, so the Bible teaches us that. There's people who are eyes, people who are ears, people who are hands, feet, spleens, and I don't know about appendixes because they don't really do much, but, but the, the, the body of Christ, it's, it's the, Lord, the Lord has inhabited his people. Everybody say, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you literally are a walking, breathing house of God as an individual, okay? But as the church, we are collected together in unity, one heart, one mind, and so corporately, we're the house of God. Corporately, we're his family, and we host him. And so Jesus was talking to us and saying we are the body of Christ. And what that means is the spirit of the living Christ lives within us, and we are the tangible, natural realm representation of a spirit realm reality. So we're literally, in the spirit, we get to connect with God in the heaven realm, but we get to release that into the earth realm. Come on. And so God partners with his church. Jesus builds his church, but he literally needs his hands and his feet and the body to help him build it so we're in partnership with him. We're like a glove and God fits his hand in and then he does the stuff through us on earth. You guys good? Okay. So we are his hands and his feet. We are his body. It's him who builds it, but he literally needs to partner through us to accomplish his works. So the building of that church actually happens by partnership of Jesus and the church. So he literally needs the church to help him build the church. Kind of sounds like a paradox. Jesus needs his church to build his church. Is there like a, a sleeping gas in the room or what's going on? Because I, I don't, like it feels like you guys are just sitting there like, I don't know. You're thinking hard? Good. Drunk in the spirit, that qualifies. That, that actually can be kind of like that, that sleeping gas, I guess. All right. 
Now, now listen, some perspectives that we need to embrace in order to, to, to be the church the way God wants us to. Here, there's a couple of verses that I hit on last week, and I want to bring these up. First, the first one is one that people know by heart. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 10. It's when Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, okay? And he starts off and he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, will, your, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. All right? So Jesus did not teach us to pray, yo, God, in heaven. All right? He said, our Father in heaven. Okay? He didn't teach us to pray, Jesus' Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He said, our Father. Okay? So Jesus is literally trying to help bring us into his family. And that prayer is a family perspective prayer. Our Father in heaven. He's trying to help us to understand that he's bringing us not just into Christianity, not just into this good religion that reads the Bible. No, sonship and daughtership. Coming into God's family, I'm his son and so I can pray to him from the son perspective, our father. And he didn't teach us to pray, my father in heaven. He taught us to pray, our father in heaven, which means that it's not just about me. It's about me and my family, because God is a family God. Hallelujah. And so the Lord wants us to understand that uh, there, there's, a, there's a passage, I think, in Ephesians, we read it last week, where, the, where Paul prays and he says, I bow my knee to the Father um, who, and, and whom all of his family in heaven and on earth is named. So God has family in heaven and he has family on earth and we all have his name because we're his kids. And to God, like to us, there's family in heaven because people have already died and gone before us, and we're still here. But to God, it's one in the same family. There's just some who showed up to that realm sooner than others. Same family. And so that family in heaven has completely been purified of all the influences of this earth, and, and ex like all the filth and the, the habits and just the junk that we have on this earth, like it's been extracted because it has to stay here when we go there. So it's the pure form to, to God. What's there is the pure form of what we already are here. And so God sees us here the same as he sees it there. It's no different to him. We just need to understand that God sees us as far superior than what we might be experiencing in the moment. And that's how he sees his church. So we need to understand that this whole thing, that God's vision of the church, God's version of the church, he's not um, focusing on all the negative stuff. He sees the gold inside the whole thing. And he says, that's who you really are. All this other stuff, you guys thought that was church? No, that, that was man-made that's the stuff that's wood, hay, and stubble that is going to get burned up in fire. But, but the real stuff, the stuff that I know is the real thing in there, it's gold and silver and precious gems, and it will endure the fire, and it'll actually come out on the other side even more pure. Because God sees his church, and he sees the gold. He sees the silver. He sees the rubies and the emeralds and the diamonds. 
And that's who he says the church really is. So the things that we judge when, we, when we're disappointed or frustrated or offended at the church, it's not even really the church, even though people called it that. It's the wood, hay, and stubble. That's, it's the false junk that gets built up on the outside of what people think is real. It's just religion. Are you guys hearing me? And God's trying to purify the church. He's trying to reset things to help us to get reoriented to truth on this thing. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's family in heaven is pure and holy and it's powerful and it's free and it's everything who God knows that the church really is. And so he's actually trying to bring that family experience to us right here on this earth so that we can have this amazing oikos, ecclesia experience here so that it can look more like how it looks there. God's vision is to help here be just like there. And so that's why he's doing this work of restoring. That's why Jesus went to the cross and died and resurrected so that he could give us new creation natures and make us something of a whole different breed that's supernatural and it's actually perfect to God. But the, the human flesh gets in the way and we get confused and we think, well, that's what we really are and we're, we're looking at the wrong thing. The biggest problem of the church is that it's looking at the wrong thing. You guys know that verse? I, I can't remember where it's at because it just came to me right now. Some, somebody will probably shout it to me. But it, it, says, that, it says that we, I'm going to botch this. It says that we carry treasures in jars of clay. We carry treasures in jars of clay, and then it goes on and it talks about God's glory. And the, the, the Lord, is, he has actually chosen to put his pure, the, the pure glory and perfection of God, he's literally chose to place that holiness inside imperfect people. That's radical. That is so much more gracious and merciful than how we tend to be. The, the thing that is so holy that it, sh that it should actually kill anything that's imperfect, he says, now I'm going to redeem you and then I'm going to put myself in you anyway. Treasures, is, the treasure is talking about is his glory. And he puts it in jars of clay. And so many people are going around spending all their time focusing on the, the faults of the jar. And the Lord's like, why are you looking at the jar when you could be looking at me, which is what this is really all about in the first place. So when we get our eyes on all the flaws that we want to judge, we're actually looking at the very wrong thing. When you, when you have a glass, like, is it all about the glass or is it about what you're drinking that really matters? And when the Lord pours wine in a chalice, is it about the chalice or is it about the wine? When the Lord is the Holy Spirit and is talking about the, the, the new wine, the, the outpouring of God, is it about Him or is it about the wineskin that holds Him? It's about Him. But people are so offended because the wineskin or the jar of clay is actually made of clay and is imperfect. And God did it on purpose. 
God's displaying the absolute humility and mercy of himself by putting himself in you. Oh, come on, in you. And me, too. I look in the mirror. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, and that's kind of the point. But it's his glory. It's his goodness. It's his humility. It's his extravagant, um, unconditional love. The, the, the radical gift that you never could deserve. And yet people are going around judging churches and judging each other and like, this is wrong or why are you doing that? Whatever. You're looking at the chalice. You need to be looking at the wine. Come on. It's about God. Your cup is no better than that person's cup. The only thing that matters is that you're holding God. And God's so good that he does this work in us where he actually makes us become more like him. Come on, guys. Hallelujah. So that brings us to that other verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17, that says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. So we need to stop actually looking at each other after the fallenness and the imperfections of each other because we need to look deeper than that because that's not who God says we are anymore. It says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And all old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So even though we, we have this, this imperfect thing going on, like God has actually put the perfect inside of us, he's literally transformed the nature of who you are if you've been born again and put perfection in you. Not you. Believe me, I know. <laughs> it's not me either, okay? We're on the same plane on that one. But, but when we look deeper than the surface to see what God sees, and then we draw that forth, that stuff actually can start getting displayed and transformation starts happening more and more. And we actually become externally, it starts catching up to our internal reality in Christ. <laughs> and that's the work he's doing in us individually in our coming into our identities in Christ, transforming us so that we actually start thinking and acting and feeling and behaving according to the finished work of Jesus Christ that he's already done fully in your spirit if you've been born again of the Spirit. Your, your soul and your body are catching up to your spiritual reality. Transformation comes through the renewing of the mind. Amen? We, we need to understand that that's the same work Christ is trying to do in the church. Calling the truth forth. Yeah, we see the junk. We're going to look deeper than that. We see the gold. We're going to see the, the rubies and the emeralds. And we're going to see the glory of God inside the, the imperfect chalice. Come on. You guys have got to get on board with me on this because this isn't just about us. This is about what God's trying to do in this earth. The, the world and the destiny of the kingdom of God that he wants to do on this earth is dependent on you catching his heart for these things.
As long as we stay stuck in the ruts that we've been living in and most of the church and Christianity in the Western world is stuck in, as long as we stay there, we will never see the end-time revival that we know is supposed to come. And God is not just going to make it fall in your lap. It's going to happen as a natural response to us shifting into kingdom realities. It's, it's your responsibility and mine to shift and upgrade Catch a hold of this stuff and live it. Come on. If we don't become the church that, he's, that he has put the identity and DNA in us, if we don't become that, we'll never be, car- be part of God's end time solution. <sighs> Prophesying this stuff into us. Come on. This is less about us having church or doing church. It's about us learning about being the church. It's about learning how to, how to um, see God's kingdom come into this earth by being his active ecclesia. Learning how to become God's oikos and the oikos of one another, the family. Come on. God's family is superior to the one you, you grew up in, I'll tell you that. We, we can't match, we can't think, well, God's family, if we're going to try to do family, it's probably going to look like this, this, and this, because this is what I experienced. No, it's way better than that, guys. <laughs> I don't care how good or bad it was, it's way better than that. He, he's way more perfect. So it's crucial that we see one another, look around, this is talking about real people, you can't do this in a cave by yourself. The church does not exist in a, in a cave going solo. You, you can't do it without human connection, human interaction. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way, okay? We have to learn how to see one another as God sees them. Looking past the things that we know aren't perfect, and choosing to see the perfect Christ in them, and, and believing that God said, I'm confident that the work I began in them, I'm going to continue to complete it more and more and more, which means we're becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm confident. Paul said that, and he meant it. He, he had such a confidence. He could look in the people and believe in them, and the work of Christ in them. I, I believe it that tomorrow and next month and next year, you're gonna, the Lord's going to continue doing this work in you that's going to make you look more and more like Jesus. And, and next year, you're gonna be, I'm going to be able to experience Jesus and encounter him more through you because of the work that he's doing in you. I believe this. So it starts by the believing in, in the work of Christ in one another. And we got to see his ecclesia in the same way. We got to believe it. We got to believe it. We got to believe that he's doing a good work in it and he's making it better and better and better. And it's not just going to happen passively, it happens by us submitting to his work and yielding to it and putting our skin into the game of becoming the thing that he's trying to transform us into. It's not going to happen around you and then all of a sudden, whoa, I'm glad that church got better because they pressed into this thing. Finally. 
No, the Lord's like, what about you? Are you putting yourself into this? Are you choosing to become the family of God? Are you choosing to to find out what it means to love your brothers and sisters more than you already do in tangible ways? Because love looks like something, not just something we say, and it's not just a feeling. It's a commitment. Come on. We got to pray for one another to come into the fullness of God's works in their lives. It's not just about you. People are focused on finding my, I want to find my destiny, I want to find my calling. What about the people around you? What if part of your calling is actually investing yourself on your knees for their behalf? To to dedicating yourself to somebody else's spiritual growth. I'm pretty sure that that actually is what callings look like in the Bible. If you really get to it, people are trying to figure out what are my dream, what's God's dream for me so I can arrive to this place where I'm going to feel fulfilled and happy because I'm doing everything and everything just feels amazing. And the Lord's like, well, die to yourself. Jesus is like, what, what greater love has somebody for ha, the love, I can't even talk. What greater love does somebody have for his brother that he lays his life down for them? And it's not just talking about dying, it's talking about actually putting yourself into the life of somebody else and dying to yourself to give yourself to other people. It's not all about you. This is the message of Jesus Christ. How's my Yelp score doing right now? <laughs> we, we, need to, we need to get good at calling one another higher in Christ. Like, it's not as, like, I think religion causes us to do this in a way where it makes people feel belittled, like you're not measuring up. But no, catch God's heart. Because the Lord's looking into us and he's like, I see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ in you. I see the oak tree in your acorn. I want you to believe how great you are, and you're not quite there yet, and that's not a judgment, it's an excitement. Like, if you can look at it more like, you're, like we're casting vision for people's growth, as opposed to you need to measure up to a higher place. That's religion, that sucks. But, but when it's more like I see vision, I see the fulfillment of the work of Christ, I see the, the, all the expanses of heaven that he wants to explode in your life, let me call you into that because there's more for you. Come on. He wants us to call one another higher. So we need to shift our beliefs about ourselves, about one another, to be able to see what God sees. And then we need to commit ourselves to one another, commit ourselves 
through the family. To be able to see that God's vision for the great things he has for it, he actually needs me. He needs me to insert myself into this thing. He needs me to help build that other person up. He needs me to help that person grow in their life. Come on. And, then, and if we want to really see this thing happen, like we, we have to learn that we got to serve one another. Serve one another. And serve the church. Serve one another. Serve his family. When we see God's family getting healthy, what he's doing, when we see God's family getting healthy and forming the way that it looks like to be in God's kingdom, it's going to be otherworldly. It's going to be otherworldly. It'll, it'll be something that the world has never seen before. Come on. It'll be something that the world can't understand. It'll be like how they lived in the book of Acts. Come on. Otherworldly. It's presence and it's commission, it's family. All through it, all through Acts. Come on. It really is. I need to take a couple of minutes and uh, make sure you understand something that I've not been saying and the things I have been saying. Because sometimes, did you guys know, like one of the, one of the pressures that we weekly preachers have <laughs> is you can't fit the whole truth in one message. So, like, you're going to say things, and there's going to be other things that didn't get said, and if people don't hear those things, they're either going to think, well, you missed this, or they're going to think, uh, they may just, re- they may interpret things in ways you don't mean, and so it actually takes, like, that's, that's why I spend weeks on this stuff, because I want to cover it well, okay? <clears throat> I want to I make sure you understand a few things I'm not saying when it has to do with seeing God's gold in one another and loving each other and calling out the greatness in one another, all these things. you, you got to understand this. Um, what I'm not saying is that you have to commit yourself to a close or deep relationship with every single person. That's impossible. And it would spread you too thin, and then you'd have nothing good to give away to any of them. Okay, so that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you don't need to have healthy boundaries with people who don't need access to the vulnerable places in your heart. Okay, that doesn't mean that we're not loving them well, but you don't have to open up the deepest realms of your vulnerability to people who haven't earned the trust to be there. Okay, does that make sense? Trust is earned. Someone breaks your trust, you don't have to give them the same access that you do to somebody who you've built strong trust with. Okay, because we want to, we do want to guard our hearts and uh, we, we want to 
We want to allow influence into our heart that's going to help us grow, but that doesn't mean that we want to boundary people out to the place where we can't love them when we're with them. Okay? Access is earned and developed over time through proven trust. I'm also not saying that you have to make everyone your best friend or give the same level of investment to each person. Okay? There are different levels of friendship and commitment. Jesus is a good example. He's the, he's the Lord of all. But when he was walking on this earth in the limitations of a human body, he had 12 disciples, but then he had three that was extra close to him, right? Then he had his 12, and then he had his 70. Then he had the masses. But, but there's, a, there's something about having healthy relationships at the level that you can manage well. But what it doesn't mean is that because you have your chosen few that you open yourself up to, that you should not love with excellent love every single person that you come in contact with. You see the balance? Jesus spent most of his time with his 12 and even more time with his three. But guess what? Jesus also had dinner with the sinners. And Jesus even had dinner with the Pharisees. He gave love to everybody, but he opened the inner parts of his, the vulnerability of, of, of deep, intimate relationship with the few that he's built that relationship with. So my point is that loving well and seeing God's identity in one another well does not mean that, that, that every single person you do that to needs to be able to get in the deeper place of your heart. You've got to manage that between you and the Lord. Hope this is landing how it needs to. Hope so. Or, or I could be opening up more cans of worms that I'm going to have to go come back next week and say, well, I didn't mean this. <laughs> okay? But J Jesus made the space to love well everybody that, that was in front of him. And even if they weren't according to his kind. You get what I'm saying? So... We have to choose the people that, let me read this, I almost said it wrong. We still have to choose to believe in people the way God does and love them well. We still get to choose to, put our to, to keep our love on for the one in front of us. Do you get what I'm saying? All right. I think that I'm making some people lull into their Sunday afternoon Sabbath rest. Listen, I want you guys to hear this distinguishment. Honor according to identity. We want to honor people according to their identity, which is not probably where they're actually functioning fully in right now. We want to honor them according to their identity. We want, but we want to trust people, not so much by their identity, but according to their behaviors. Because honor and trust are two different things. Trust according to behaviors because you can believe in somebody prophetically and see the gold and then if you think that that's how you need to give them 
all the vulnerable things of your life, but they're not actually there right now in practicality, you, you might be giving yourself somebody who's going to actually trample it and not, and not cherish your heart well. So, so we honor according to identity. We trust according to behavior. Good. Trying to help you. And we, have, we invest according to mission. Invest according to mission. You want to you sow into people's lives towards their unseen outcomes. We want to invest ourselves into somebody's breakthroughs so that they can actually become that identity that you see in them. Okay? Guys, I don't know if you recognize this. Uh, that maybe it's maybe it's covered in <laughs> in mud, but I'm giving you gold right now. Hope you see it. We love according to the cross. Nobody deserved that. It's unconditional, but we have to love everybody well. Jesus died for the person that you don't enjoy being around as much as he died for you, okay? Got to love well, okay? You guys get what I'm saying? All right. Well, the good thing is I know what I'm preaching next Sunday because... Say keep going. Speaking for everybody. <laughs> Say what? I better save that part for next week because that's going to dive into a whole nother level of what we're talking about. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Is anybody encouraged? Has this helped anyone? All right. God, God needs us to be able to see one another the way he does and to love one another the way he does, to honor one another, the way he does. The, the level of honor that God has for you is that despite your imperfections, he, he chose you to put his glory in. Whoa. Would you guys declare this with me? God's glory has been put in me. He actually has trusted me with his glory. His glory is inside me. You could only fathom what you just said. Do you deserve it? you don't deserve it, 
except that Jesus paid a high price for that. He wants you to understand what's in you, and he wants you to be generous enough to give that gift to all the people around you too, to be able to see that, and to love that, to honor that, to value that, to cherish that, to protect that, to try to encourage that, to try to help inspire the understanding of that in one another, and to cultivate the, the lifestyle that comes with that in one another. The church, God's dream. This thing that people are thrashing and trashing and cursing and finding everything they can to try to tear it down and trying to deconstruct it. And I'm talking about Christians, talking about the church. It's God's dream. Dream. He wants us to build it. He wants us to work with him and partner with him and, and, and join his perspective so that we can affirm it and love it and cherish it well. Come on. To commit ourselves to him and his work within his church. This is not about what your Sunday serving role, what team are you on on Sunday morning? It's, this is not... Like, that's, yes, that's worship, and we actually need to be able to see the spiritual, even in that. But that's not really what this is about. This is eternal. Family, it's kingdom. It's heaven on earth. He actually has entrusted his kingdom to his church. Will you believe that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 